everybody i am sean graham scott physically distancing as always hello scott sean i'm i'm back i'm here i'm online i was just telling you uh my internet service was down for a whole day 24 hours shocking it's uh pretty insane and we have the same provider so anyway um i'm back back online so that's why we're a day late for anybody wondering yes. why we're late this week. It's Scott was offline all day on Wednesday. Yeah, we have the same provider. I was out for I don't know how long, but from the time I woke up Wednesday morning till about 12, between 12 and 1230, I was yeah. out, but uh, you were out all day. All day. And I'll tell you what, uh, I'm a better man for it. Uh, back from the edge. Uh, I got a lot of perspective. It's good. And I feel good. I feel uh, grateful. I feel grateful now for what I have, whereas maybe I didn't before. Nice. That's a very mature approach. I I commended you for that yesterday, your maturity in the situation. Yeah. Uh, Like, what are you going to do? Get angry? What's the point? It's true. No point. No point at all. Mm -hmm. So uh, so there you go. So we are back and a bit of a fun-ish show today, I guess. I don't know. Scott, as you know, curling has a lot of rules. Oh, so many rules. And this fall in October, the World Curling Federation released their updated rules for the 2020 season. And I went through the rule book with some level of scrutiny. And Scott, I've identified some obscure rules in the curling rule book that I want to talk about. One, to see if you knew that these existed. Two, okay. if these things were to come up in a game, if you think the players at the club, one would know that this is what is supposed to happen, but two, actually do them. Okay. And three, just to talk about whether or not they're relevant or whether or not this is the correct rule or if some amendments need to be put into place. So just some obscure rules that I found in the curling rule book. Perfect, Sean. Perfect. Now you'll you will know or remember that I did my level one umpires course, right in two thousand and nine. So I mean, uh, I probably know everything. <laughs> yes, you have this already memorized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the rule book is broken up into different sections and then subsections. The R sections are the rules, mm-hmm. and then the C sections are the competitions. And in the rule book, I'm just going to go in the order in which these things come up. So we're going to start with the R, the rules part of the rule book. So section R2 deals with the stones. So rule two, R2B, says that each team uses a set of eight stones having the same handle color and individually identified by visible markings. If a stone is damaged and becomes unsuitable for play, a replacement stone is used. Here's where it gets weird, though. Okay. If a, re- if a replacement stone is not available, a stone previously delivered in the end is re-delivered. Yes. So what happens if we're 
on the skip slash rock. And let's say the team is going for an eight ender. So all the rocks are in play. Do you take one that's in play and just move it back down to the other end? I would guess that in that situation, you don't get to throw your last rock if there's no replacement rock. Okay. You score seven points. And you know what? If you get seven points, it's pretty darn good. I guess. What if it's what if you're only going to score one or two points, but there's a bunch of guards that are in play that are all relevant to the action? Yeah, this is a real club curler's dilemma, right? Uh, always got stones cluttering up the front. Yeah, at the competitive level where at the end of an end, you're, uh, a busy end has 10 stones in play, mm-hmm. then fine. But at the club level, it's not entirely rare to see 14, 15 stones in play. No, it's definitely not. And uh, it's very frustrating to me when there are that many stones in play. Uh, <laughs> it usually means people missed their shots. But yes, yeah, that's what I would guess. Does it explain, Sean? No, that's it. That's the end of the rule. That's the end of the rule. Then yeah. according to the Game of Stones podcast, if you're going for an eight ender and your eighth stone is damaged, too bad. You only get seven points. Okay. Deal with it. Okay. All Grow right. Up. Interesting. Grow up okay. and don't cry about it. All right. Well, uh, okay. Well, rule R2C doesn't quite address this, but it says that if a stone is broken in play, the teams use the, quote, spirit of curling yes. to decide where the stone or stones should be placed. So I did know this one. It was on, they talked about it on one of the web streams that I watched this weekend. Uh-huh. I don't remember who. I want to say it was from Switzerland. Uh, but yeah, they talked about the spirit of curling. And isn't that just a great catch-all for everything? Uh, right. now, of, now, of course, Sean, in the movie uh, Men with Brooms, we learned yes. that they used the largest chunk of the broken stone. Yes. Right? And the dead guy. Oh, and uh, the dead guy's ashes, yeah. 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 So uh, to my interpretation, the the spirit of curling would be, oh, wherever that rock probably would have ended up, that's what we'll do. Uh, make a gentleman's agreement or a lady's agreement to say, yeah, all good. All right. What happens if an agreement cannot be reached? Because this is included in the rules. Do you know this? Full out fist fight. hockey style line (laughs) roll (laughs) so if an agreement cannot be reached the end will be replayed ah yes yes i i did know that they did talk about that as well but uh i liked my answer better so hope that it happens early in the end yeah yeah but then they also will have a broken stone so they will need a replacement stone or revert back to rule uh, to Bravo. Yes. Mm. Yes. And hope that all of the stones are not in play when they need that replacement stone. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the next rule that relates to stones, stones is there's a lot to mine from the stones. <laughs> uh, R2D. This is what I'm going Two? to call the honorary gunner rule. Okay. If a stone rolls over while in motion or comes to rest on its side or top, it is removed from play immediately. And when I read that, I thought there's only one person who I've ever seen come close to that having happened. 
Yeah, didn't somebody roll the stone on the side once? Was it Nicodine? Somebody, someone, yeah, they did that as like the last rock. The game was over. But I'm thinking in terms of actual competition, when Gunner tried to get something out from under his, he thought it was picking in his hand, and it sort of wobbled all the way down the the ice. That one could mm. have gone on its side. Yes, that one really could have, and that was because he felt something, right? Yeah, uh, he was on. He did a stream with John Cullen earlier this spring. Uh, where he talked about that shot and that, yeah, he felt something. So he just wanted to like get it rolling. And uh, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, definitely. And then the final thing in the stones section, R2E, should a handle completely separate from a stone during delivery, the delivering player has the option of either allowing the play to stand or re-delivering the stone after any to play stones have been replaced to their position prior to the incident taking place. Ah, okay, okay. So uh, what you want to do is make sure that the handle is pretty loose. Yeah, rip it off as you throw Throw your stone. Throw your stone. Oh, no, the handle came off. And then wait and see what happens. And then you got a free do-over. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's got to be... This is like money ball for curling, right? This is using every advantage that you have in the rule book uh, to, to win games. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about this one. It, it someone could game this. Yeah. Now uh, the electrified handles that they use the eye on the hog system. Yeah. I, I believe if those are unscrewed, they don't work the same way. Probably um, not, but, uh, you know what? I might be wrong because it is, it's a magnet magnetic sort of system induction and stuff. So, could work. And that comes up. That comes up later in the rules. Okay. So well, I, I am a scientist, so I should probably be able to figure <laughs> it out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, do you think anybody would game this? Maybe one of, one of these club players that's really going for bar bucks or something? Yeah, I think, yeah, you're more likely to see someone at the club level try to game this in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'd be really hard to do it. But if you did it, it would be pretty, pretty fun. And and I think the other players on the sheet wouldn't know what to do. And you'd actually have to bring out the rule book and show them this is what the rule is. Mm-hmm. And then if you just did it repeatedly over and over and over <laughs> again, I don't think you would ever be invited back to play. Well, not only from the other team, but your team as well would hate you. Yeah. And no one's ever going to buy you a drink, no matter if you, no. Uh, if you lose. No, no chance. You're sitting no chance. by yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it might be a smart play for 2020, but uh, beyond, yeah. let's hope not. <laughs> yeah, so that, uh, yeah, so that's the stones section. Those are the ones from stones I found. Now, R3, section R3, Scott, talks about teams. Ooh, I like and, to talk about composition of teams. Yes, the only thing that I thought was a little obscure here is section H, which says that if a player whose turn it is to deliver is unable to deliver both the allocated stones during end, the following procedure for the remainder of that end is thus. Hmm. And it depends on who the player is. So if the first player cannot deliver or the second player cannot deliver, it's what you would expect to happen. That the other two players throw three and three and then the skip throws two. Right. That's pretty standard. That's what you see everywhere. Yeah. Here's where it gets interesting. So, so sorry, this is, just if in an end one player can't throw they're in yeah. the bathroom or whatever yeah okay 
Yeah. So if the lead can't throw the second and the third, we'll each throw three. And if the second can't throw the lead and the third, we'll each throw three. What you would normally see with the three person team. Right. They ate too much chili. Got to take a break. That's how we do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But here's what's weird. If it is the third who cannot throw their two stones, the lead delivers the first third stone. The second delivers the second third stone. And then the skip throws the last two stones. Similarly, if the skip can't throw, the second delivers the first skip stone and the third delivers the second skip stone. So in that scenario, the third is throwing three of the last four shots of the end. I uh, I like this rule, Sean. I like this. It, I did not know about this. It's a little hard to keep track of. Well, presumably when you have somebody that's missing for a game, you will designate somebody to be the skip, right? You'll just like say, yeah. oh, you're skipping tonight. So this wouldn't come up. But I guess in theory, you know, if our skip, skip is missing. Skip rolls his ankle coming off, like coming off the boards. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. Skip steps off the board, rolls his ankle. Oh, I can't throw. This is what you're supposed to do. It's not the, it's not a situation where the third just goes and becomes the skip now. Right. Right. Ooh, I, ooh, I, I like this rule. I think uh, we could maybe take advantage of it. What? Cause you want to throw last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's a warning to Chris Griffin out there. Watch your knees, my friend. <laughs> Uh, no, I think uh, this is a really good rule that that a lot of people wouldn't know about. And no, uh, yeah, it's. I think it's a little more fair, right? Rather than yeah. throwing somebody into a skip job that they don't really want to throw both both last rocks, they don't. They only have to throw the last one, and three of the last four is pretty pretty good for your third, who is probably your your best remaining player. Yeah. For sure. And I think I do think it's strange though to not have it go three and three again. Right. Or or I guess it's still three and three, but the the, the threes are separated. And to not go two, three, three. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would probably be unfair. I guess. Eh. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right. Yeah. So if if you're ever out there and you're playing and the third or the skip in the middle of a game cannot play another an end, you're not just sort of moving around. You're actually splitting up the third rocks and the skips rocks. Yeah. And I mean, that's happened. Like I've had to leave games before because I had a terrible headache and I couldn't concentrate. So yeah. Yeah. It does happen. It does. So uh, yeah. So that's sort of a weird one that is probably going to be something that people run into more often than some of the other ones uh, of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So section R4 is about position of players. So obviously this is not taking into account the distancing required in this time, but yes. it is about, mostly it's about the physical location of people on the ice, but they had this really weird one, Scott, it's R4C sec- subsection four, which says that any world champion and multiple time Olympic medalist must maintain a vendetta against their national governing body, which is weird. <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to slip a few in there, Sean. 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know why that would be included <laughs> in the official rules. Like I thought it was about physical position. I didn't think it was about ideological positions. It's strange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's a position that is held by a lot of uh, elite players, right? So yeah. uh, all good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, section R5 is about the delivery of stones. Okay. So this one, uh, R5H, this is a Sean Graham uh, special Ooh. that I'm going to cite frequently when I'm playing. <laughs> uh, all players must be ready to deliver their stones when their turns come and not take an unreasonable amount of time to play. So I wish they had defined what unreasonable uh, meant. Yeah. yeah. But I, I appreciate that this is in the rules. Yes. And in a timed game, obviously there are consequences for using too much time. Whereas in a club game, there's not. And you're right. They have to use the word unreasonable because there's all different abilities of players, right. And, and levels of play. And so but even beginner curlers can just be ready to throw. Right. Uh, I'm thinking of the old guys that our dad plays with, right? Like, would they, would they right. be taking what is reasonable? Yeah. An unreasonable amount of time for them might be different for us. Probably. But, but uh, yeah, I'm really glad it's in the rule book. And Sean, I think when you get your tattoo, uh, it should yeah. be this rule, the rule number tattooed. <laughs> On your forehead for everyone, everyone to see. see all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if it gets people to hurry up, it might be worth it. <laughs> might be, might be. Yeah. Um, get it on your knuckles, right? Like, uh, yeah. So I just show my fist. Boom. Uh, <laughs> so uh, rule R five M. This is an interesting one to me that I almost had this happen to me once. I was, it was terrifying to me in the moment. Sean, was it? Uh, was that? M as in Mike or N as in November? It was M as in Mike. Okay, thank you. R5M as in Mike. If the wrong team delivers the first stone, subsection one states that if the error is discovered only after, excuse me, after only the first stone has been delivered, the end shall be replayed. So if the wrong mm. lead throws the first rock and you notice it, okay, just pull the rock back. We're starting over. Okay. But subsection two says that if the error is discovered after the second stone of the end has been delivered, play continues as if the error had not occurred. So does that mean that you switch and one team will throw two rocks in a row to get the team that's supposed to have the last rock have the last rock? Or do you just continue to play with the team that was supposed to have the hammer? Whoops, you lost the hammer because your lead threw first and that's your fault. Hmm. Can you read that to me again? If the error is discovered after the second stone of the end has been delivered, play continues as if the error had not occurred. Hmm. That's my interpretation is that uh, they assume that there was no error and you play as, as you are. Right. Yeah. So, I'd so say, yeah, you lose the hammer for being a dope. Yeah, I, I would think so. So this happened to me once. I was sparing and it was three people playing. So I'm the lead by myself, playing with people who I don't particularly know very well. Mm -hmm. And it was in a cash league and it was the last end. It was the eighth end. And we had the hammer in a tie game. And I look up and 
all of a sudden there's we have two stones left and the other team has two stones left and our skip is coming down to throw her first one and i say like we're supposed to have the hammer what what's going on and she looked at me and said did you throw first ah and fortunately i hadn't but i thought to myself that's something i might like i could <laughs> see myself doing that it, we like one of the stones just happened to like get, you know how stones can cross yeah. over sheets in some places that's what had happened so we weren't really counting we were just looking at the stones that were left and the sheet next to us had stolen one of our stones but okay but yeah so in that environment if we had lost the hammer because of me who yeah, you would have cost your team uh, forty bucks, maybe, or something. So yeah, it would have been a really bad. Yeah. And and so it actually wasn't your skip shot then, right? It was the thirds. No, last. so we went to the. So we said, "Where's the like? Where's the rock?" And we found it on the next sheet and took it up, and the third went through. And yeah, it was like a two or three minute delay, but we won the game. So I guess it was worth it. Boom. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a tricky situation, and you're right; that can happen to anybody. Uh, which is why I find playing lead to be very difficult. I don't want to have to think that much. <laughs> you, have to, you have to pay attention to who scored. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. It's a real minefield. <laughs> yeah. All right. So section oh, R7, our favorite. Yeah. Go. Before we move on, are you going to cover what happens if you throw the wrong color? Is this what R7 is? No. If you throw the wrong color, I didn't think this was an obscure rule, so I didn't pull okay. it, but it is in the rule book. Just replace it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The stone that was supposed to be delivered, you just replace where it ends up. Don't touch it. If you realize halfway down the ice, that's fine. Just don't touch it. Yeah. Let it play out. I thought, I, I didn't think that was an obscure one. No, Maybe it's right. just because I play with idiots who do it all the time. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Sean, you shouldn't talk about the colorblind that way. You know, uh, <laughs> it's a tough life. Well, you still are going to the same side each time if you can't <laughs> see the colors, right? You're playing the right stones this time. The stones to the right of the hack or to the left of the hack. Like, presumably. Not presumably. Yeah. All right. So uh, R7, this is one that has gotten a lot of attention recently. This is the section that's all about sweeping, Scott. My favorite. Yeah. Uh, so section R7I says that skips over the age of 45 must cite debris on the ice for all missed shots. <laughs> oh, this is otherwise known as the uh, Glenn Howard rule, right? Yeah. 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 So again, I mean, things that we have noticed, they're actually rules that these guys are just following. So. Well, that's it. They're just following the rule book, so we, we can't complain about it anymore. Yeah. And that's really the only thing that's interesting in section R7, because basically it's a free-for-all now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so let's move on to section R8. Now, this one involves burned rocks and touching moving stones. And what I found really interesting here, Scott, is section C, which is mm. for the last stone draw, which, of course, has gotten more and more important in competitions as people are less likely to do tiebreakers now. We've even seen it at some international competitions where they're using the last stone draw instead of using a tiebreaker game. Absolutely. So section CI or one, the Roman numerals, right? So C1, if a member of the delivering team touches a moving stone or causes it to be touched during a last stone draw, the stone will be removed and recorded 
as 1.996 meters or six feet and six and a half inches. Yes. So this is something that, again, could be gamed. Maybe not so much by elite level teams, but if you're in an event with a last stone draw and someone throws it and it's going through the house, just touch it. Take the six feet. That's better than missing the house altogether. No, I think the six foot is what they record everything that doesn't touch the house. Oh, they don't record a zero? Because I've been at events where we've gotten zero. Oh. <laughs> and not zero as in we're on the, the pin. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, when it's distance, uh, it's recorded as that 1.9 whatever s- meters. Okay. Yeah, because that's the diameter from the button to the 12 the foot. Outside. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So that makes some sense then, but here we go. Section C2 says that if a member of the non-delivering team touches a moving stone or causes it to be touched, the stone will be re-delivered. Oh. In what scenario does a last stone draw get touched by the other team? All right. Here's the scenario I'm going to give you. Unless like, uh, unless John Morris is behind the, the stands and sees that someone's going to put the like John Epping's going to put it right on the pinhole for the f- last game of the round robin for first place in the bye at the briar and he just sprints out onto the ice and dives and hits it while it's still moving yeah uh that's one scenario uh <laughs> uh the one I thought of is say this is at a club right you're doing LSD at a club spiel and well, that seems dangerous to do LSD at a club spiel. <laughs> hey, Sean, uh, it's all the rage, man. As long everybody, as you're not driving. Everybody's talking LSD. <laughs> uh, it's So let's say I'm the lead, lead or second and I'm standing you know, out beyond the hog line while the other team is delivering their, their last stone draw because mm-hmm. it's very crowded on the back. And I just like to stand there because there's fewer people around. Yeah. And I'm uh, you know looking around at the banners that are hung around the club uh looking at the ads trying to see if I, there's a lawyer you know that whose services maybe i need and my broom slips out of my hand and crashes onto the ice and causes one of the sweepers to trip and hit their stone yeah. okay well scott i think that would fall under r8c3 which says if an external force touches a moving stone or causes it to be touched, the stone will be re-delivered. Ah, okay. What is an external force? I I would assume that. Or if you're in a place that doesn't have dividers between the sheets, right? Uh, or a stone coming across, or Jesus descends in yeah. the middle of your shot. Yeah, act of God. Yeah, no dice. Yeah. Maybe, hey, for our friends out west, if there's an earthquake during yeah. your shot, that would be pretty incredible if there was an earthquake uh, during a curling game and uh, all the rocks started bouncing around and like it, yeah. it changed. <laughs> it like it moved one closer to the button. I think yeah. it would be great. Yeah, that'd be funny. Like in the the women's final of the 2010 Olympics during Cheryl <laughs> Bernard's shot, there's an earthquake that actually pushes it into the line and she makes it and she's the <laughs> Olympic champion. Yeah, what a, what a great what if. Huh. <laughs> yeah, it would be fun to have a, a, a an earthquake that's strong enough 
to cause the rocks to shift around a bit, but doesn't hurt anybody or cause any damage. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that would be fun to see. Yeah. The kind of earthquake that uh, you see in that meme where like a lawn chair is knocked over. <laughs> yeah. That happened here in Ottawa a few years ago that there was an earthquake. I was out of town and I came back and a book that was on the, or no, a, a frame that was sort of leaned against something had fallen down on the ground. And oh. that was the evidence in my apartment. One fallen frame. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what do we got next? Uh, still in the last stone draw section F one says that if a member of the delivering team displaces a stationary stone or causes it to be displaced before the official completes the measurement, the stone will be removed and recorded as six feet, six and a half inches. So this, this is, is another the... one where you ha- like, I don't know how you would actually cause it to be d- displaced. Well, this seems to me like a Ben Hebert rule where you know how he likes kicking stones really, yes. really. Uh, maybe he forgets that it's last stone draw and it's just like, ah, look at that covering the pin. Woo. Kicks right. it away. And the umpire's like, what happened? <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so that's just another one. And that was another one too, that I thought if they were doing like zeros for not hitting the, the house, you could game that. Right. But, right. Uh, but not the case. So let's move on to R10. This is equipment. Of course, equipment equipment. gets a lot of attention. I have broken several of these rules uh, (laughs) as they are laid out, uh, including the one that says don't damage the ice. Uh, Don't knowingly damage the ice with a piece of equipment, but I will have everybody know that I replaced that brush head and it's fine. It's not a big deal anymore. Yeah, it's fine. Hey, and it's, it only helped us win like four extra games that year. So well, come on. I find it interesting. You replaced your brush head and we finished dead last in the league. Yeah. Yeah. That old, the old one was amazing and I was carving so much stuff with it. Yes, you were. So, so what do uh, we say? About so R10B. This is one that it's always just bugged me when I've been at live events, and this is actually the explanation for it. So R10B says that no equipment shall be left unattended anywhere on the ice surface. So if you ever go to an event, you'll notice if a player throws their jacket on the end boards, that an official goes and picks it up. That's not the official being just neat and tidy or not wanting it to be there for TV, although I'm sure that's a factor. But this is a rule that you can't just leave your stuff unattended anywhere and it's also why when players put their brooms down they have to put them in very specific spots right so uh the one i can think of that breaks this all the time would be bj newfeld uh who's always got his his broom and his gripper and his gloves sort of scattered beside the sheet where the hog line is right so that must be one of the approved areas in which yes. you can leave your stuff. Uh, the yeah. other is is right behind the bumper. Yeah, that tends to be the more popular spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so do you break this one, Sean? No, I don't bring any extra equipment. I throw with the same broom. I like. Yes. My, when I take my glove off to throw, I put it in my back pocket. I'm not. I'm not all fancy like. Yeah, no. Is is this the reason that uh, we see more so the women, but some of the men's teams they'll bring men's teams will bring backpacks and women will bring their purse yeah. out onto the ice. I've, well, I've I think always I think that that's just a case of are you. I mean, certainly we see teams with snacks and stuff, and just having that in a bag is easier. And certainly, 
on the women's side, and I'm sure the men's side too, you don't want to leave wallets and any sort of valuables in locker rooms and stuff. So if you put them with the coach right there, it's just an easier way to store everything. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. The, I, I mean, I never uh, went in the locker rooms, even when I had access to, uh, uh, you know, to the underbelly of the events. But I guess, yeah, there's lots of volunteers milling around. Who knows who, yeah. who is who and all that. So, yeah. And you're and in most in most events, you're not the only ones using that locker room. And for a lot of the televised events, at least, they're not true locker rooms in that there are no lockers. Right. They're just rooms. Yeah. Rooms to put your so, uh, pants and shoes on and whatnot. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure I'm sure people leave clothes in there, but you wouldn't want to leave valuables. Right. Right. Yes. I've, I, so, I've just always found it weird that like I'm carrying my purse out to uh, my curling game. I don't know. Hey, well, Scott, I'll tell you this year, you're going to see a lot of it. Oh, uh, yeah. No lockers sure. at all. No lockers at all. It's going to be uh, it's going to be mayhem. Sure is. Sure <laughs> is. All right. So R10 still in the equipment. E. This is when a properly functioning electronic hog line device is being used. Subsection two says that a glove or mitt must not be worn on the delivery hand during the delivery of a stone. If there is a violation, the delivered stone shall be removed from play and any displaced stones shall be replaced by the non-offending team to their positions prior to the violation taking place. So this is one where I believe those things work on heat. Um, Do they not? It's, it's magnetic, so it's conductivity, right? It can tell if you're touching it um, the same way. I, I believe it's like the same way that a touch screen would work, like uh, inductive. Uh, I, w- I should look it up and not sound so yeah. stupid. <laughs> but basically a glove would interfere with the yes. handle's ability to do its job. Yes, the, uh, the glove would definitely interfere. And uh, Sean, I'm going to call this the Hamburglar rule. Uh, you can't wear two gloves, uh, at, at the same time, like the hamburger would. Right. And I, there are players at the recreational level who I see throw with gloves. So it would be something that if you ever play with a magnetic handle, be something to just pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'll be doing that anytime soon. (laughs) All right. So let's move on. This is the last one that I've pulled from the rules section. This is R17. Scott, this is the prohibited substances section of the rule book. Not a lot in here. Uh, Rule A basically says don't take steroids or or any banned substance. But this is a strange one. Rule uh, R17B2 says that men skips from Alberta with initials of the same letter must submit DNA or must submit two DNA tests to determine relation to Curly the curling robot. Oh, oh, you know, this is long overdue to be put in the rule book, Sean. Yeah. Uh, we've seen these robot curlers coming out of Alberta for too long. Uh, they are curling machines and have very little personality. It's <laughs> it's uh, just incredible that that. I, I assume they were all related to the Curly the Curling Robot. So now they actually have to present evidence to the contrary, put the burden of proof 
on them. I like it. Well done, World Curling Federation. Yes, about time. So let's move on to the C section of the rule book. These are the rules of competition. So let's start with C1, which is just general rules. This is C1D that says smoking, including e-smoking devices within the confines of of the competition area at WCF events is prohibitive or prohibitive or prohibited, excuse me. And somewhere every Briar winner before 1970 is rolling over in their grave. <laughs> Point that out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, some some rinks still have you know the old spots for for ashtrays, but uh, not anymore. Yes. So also under the general rules, this is this one got some attention when this came out earlier this fall. But general C1L states that while a game is in progress, the coach, alternate player, and all other team officials are prohibited from communicating with their team or being within the playing area except during specifically designated breaks or a team timeout. This restriction applies to all verbal, visual, written, and electronic communication, including any attempt to signal for the implementation of a team timeout. The coach, alternate player, and one team official may participate in the pre-event and pre-game practices, but may not communicate with their team during the last shot draw. During the game, there shall be no unauthorized communications or broadcasts of any sort from the coach bench to anyone who is not sitting in the designated area. Coaches and other team personnel sitting on the coach bench cannot watch or listen to the any broadcast and mm-hmm. for any violation, the offended person will be removed from the coach's bench for that game. Okay. So they're not sneaking on their little earpiece to listen to uh, the commentators up there. Um, right. So this, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, this rule was changed, right? Uh, this year. To yeah, allow... So now, now you're allowed to communicate between ends. Right. That's the change before it's... you weren't allowed to, but between ends now it's Okay provided the facility and the way it's set up allows for that. Cause sometimes you see they put basically another media bench 20 feet above the ice and they put the coaches up there. So in that case, you like, you can't leave that to go down to the ice between ends. But if it's like what you see at a Briar or Scotty's and they're just sitting right there, then you can talk to them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I saw this a lot at the Briar. I saw um, Adam Kingsbury and Matt Dunstone chatting between every end uh for sure this is no so this curling canada allows communication curling canada during, does allow it yes yes uh but yes. this is the wcf right these rules yes these are world curling federation rules yeah so because yeah because you see them chatting like while the skip is throwing their last rock or something yes um and that's okay and and it's okay and it's and it's good and I yeah. asked, I asked uh, Adam what they were talking about, and he uh, wouldn't tell me. So, Ooh, wow, good coach. Yeah, smart. Mm-hmm. Keep it between the lines. Exactly. Yes. So uh, let's move on to C three. This is uniforms slash equipment, but uniforms is the most interesting part of this. So C three A states that all team members must wear identical uniforms and appropriate footwear when footwear when accessing the field of play for games or practices. Now, this is something I did not know and will pay attention to now. 
The team wears light-colored shirts and plain jackets when assigned stones with light-colored handles and wears dark-colored shirts and plain jackets when assigned stones with dark-colored handles. The color of these garments shall be registered with the WCF prior to the start of each competition. The coaches or officials must wear a team or national uniform whenever accessing the field of play. Unless otherwise approved by the WCF, a light-colored uniform will be predominantly white or yellow in color, and there must be a minimum of 70% of white or yellow on both the front and back side of the uniform. Mm -hmm. Approval for any alternative, alternative uniform must be requested at least eight weeks prior to an event and may be requested at the start of the season for multiple events. Yes, uh, I did know this rule, Sean. Um, so, and, and uh, Jonathan from Rocks Across the Pond has told us how particular the WCF is when it comes to their yes. uniforms, right? Uh, like when it comes to wearing a hat, uh, they, basically they don't like it. But uh, right. yeah, so... This is why at the World Championships, Canada will, will always have like a white uniform and then a, a red uh, and maybe a black to be able to accommodate this rule. Um, yes. So the the one that I don't know, like I don't know if I've ever seen Sweden wearing anything other than their, their blue with yellow shirts. Have you? I don't think so, no. Yeah, so maybe there's enough yellow in it that they can get away with it, but right, or maybe uh, it's an alternate that's been approved. That's right. That's right. Maybe it's very but, iconic okay, to but, Sweden. But here's here's the question though. So it says that wear light when you're dealing with when you're throwing the light colored stones, and dark with the dark colored stones. Red and yellow. Is red really dark? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. I guess that settles that. That settles so, that. So. Section B says that this, this one I just love for how ridiculous this is. Each shirt and jacket has the player's surname in 51 millimeter bracket two inches or larger letters across the upper back of the garment and the name under which their association slash federation competes in 51 millimeter bracket two inches or larger letters across the back above the waist. If desired, a national emblem may also be worn on the back, but only in addition to the name under which the association slash federation competes and mm. displayed between that name and the player's surname. Oh boy, that's a lot. To that break seems down. way too many details for putting your name on the jersey. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, when you when you're thinking about maybe the uh, the Asian teams where the surname and and name are, are a little bit different. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're having to specify what name to use. Maybe, but like 50, like saying what font it has to be, or the minimum size of the font. And you got to put, if you want to put an L, 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 what am I saying? Emblem. Emblem. Jeez. Uh, on the Jersey, it has to go in this, like, let's get creative. Like let, let Hodgson do his thing. Let dynasty, creative it up yeah yeah i i, I agree uh, world curling federation is maybe not as uh woke when it comes to their <laughs> comes to their uh, uniforms right 
so this rule is is entirely based on everyone looking the same and having the same dress out there. So there's an addendum to it, which is addendum four, which says that for televised games, all players will wear microphones. For leads, they are only there to fulfill this rule and should not be interpreted as the audience at home being interested in their opinion. Uh, of course, you know, I, I think uh, Colin Hodgson really breaks this rule, right? Because he does, <laughs> he does think that everyone is interested in his opinion um, as a lead. So, yeah, oof. Uh, yeah. I, th- so I, think I like that they added that in. Yeah, they're going to have to take a look at that rule that uh, Team McEwen there. Oh boy, well, the WCF rule, right? Not curling Canada rule. Well, you know, uh, yeah, I guess maybe. Are you saying that they won't get to, to a WCF event? I'm saying they have not been to one yet. <laughs> I'm not saying they won't get to one. They're certainly talented enough to get to one. Right on. Yeah, that's sort of like uh, you know when when you're playing in the club and it doesn't matter what you wear and then you go to, you know, the first regional or, or zone play down and you all have to wear the same color pants and the same shirt. So you go, you go to winners and you yeah. buy four of the same shirts uh, just to make sure you match. Uh, it's kind of like that. He's going to have to get used to that rule uh, yes. if, if, and when they get to a WCF event. Absolutely. <laughs> And then section G of this rule states that if an alternate alternate player comes into a game, that player must use the brush head of the player being replaced. Penalty, if a new brush head is brought into the game, the team will forfeit. This is, of course, the rule that came up last year. This isn't obscure necessarily. It was obscure mm-hmm. at the time, but last year at the European Championship cost the team a game. Yeah, Team England, right? Uh, or Team I, England benefited won. from it. Yeah, yeah they won. won. And it was... Yeah. Uh, Norway that uh, that took the loss for that, and that that loss by Norway actually affected the the final standings in the sense that uh, they would have been in a tie for the last playoff spot with it. So, uh, yeah, a big ramifications that rule, and uh, still, I think I still think it's stupid. But anyway, right. So let's move on to section C six. There's about timing, and section J talks about the breaks in between an end. So it's a long rule. I won't go through all of it, but basically it says that you have a set amount of time between ends and it does note that quote may vary due to television requirements or other external factors. And that's determined and explained prior to the event. Mm -hmm. And then it says when play can start without the clock starting again, but it has a subsection, Scott, which I think is quite interesting it is uh, subsection two of rule C6J, which again, I don't know why they keep harping on this, but it says that in televised games, leads are prohibited from complaining when their shots are not aired nor discussed by the commentators. Yeah, they're really picking on leads, this uh, WCF yeah. rule book, eh? Uh, yeah. You know what? Uh, good. Know your role and show your mouth. Steve Austin or The Rock? Yeah. Yeah, well, that yeah, that's the rock. But that actually leads nicely into C9, which are team ranking procedures. A lot of talk this offseason about the ranking procedures and how points are accumulated, all that kind of stuff. And so C9, section F, subsection 3, says that leads will be used as scapegoats in the event that A, a team loses consecutive finals, or B, he can be replaced by Mark Nichols. (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Can be replaced by Mark Nichols. Really so, weird. So random. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I mean, I guess Steve Gould can't complain anymore. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, Stevie. It's in the rules. Yeah. That, it's right there in black and white. Just uh, Jeff Stoughton can just go to his house and say, boom, rule book. Yeah. Ain't nothing you can do about it. So yeah, so that was a little strange. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty so, weird. Yeah, so that's it for all the rules. But they also, Scott, I, I was so happy. They have a dress code in here. Oh boy, let's yeah. get into it. So I'm just going to go run through all of the items on the dress uh, code and then the policy. So the first one is shoes. Scott, there are no restrictions on shoes. It's totally personal preference. But does the do you, you don't have to wear the same color as your team, right? For no, shoes? No, no restrictions. No awesome. restrictions at all. So you can do what you want. This is where the WCI, this is the most fun thing in here. Well, it's the most fun real thing in here. <laughs> so uh, next is socks. Socks say, if worn under the trousers, no restrictions. <laughs> so you can't like baseball it up, basically. Right, right. So... That's a bit of a downer because I've done that before, but only after I was called out for wearing high socks. Just well, so. if it says if it says if worn under the pants, no restrictions. Yep. Or trousers, sorry, trousers. Trousers. Uh, yeah. If if it's worn over the trousers, does it does it say what what you can have? No. It just says if worn under the trousers, no restrictions. So I interpret that That's as uh, if you wear it above the trousers, on top of the trousers. Uh, well, actually, much- no. Sorry, let, let me let me correct myself because the next one actually is leg warmers. <laughs> okay, and it includes socks worn over the trousers. Actually, oh, I, I read the policy more closely. So for leg warmers, which includes socks over the trousers, must be the same for the complete team. Okay, so you could baseball it up and wear uh, high orange socks. Yeah, yeah, that'd maybe be one pretty day. fun. Yeah, I bought a bunch of high socks last week, so maybe. Look at this guy, big spender. Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) next is trousers. Mm -hmm. The trousers must have the same logos, crest, and color. They can be different brands, though. Okay. So if you want to wear Ashton pants and I want to wear Goldmine pants, that's fine, but they have to be the same color. We have to have the same logos and crest on them. Yes. Yes, that makes sense. Yes. And then there's a, after that, it says that pants must be kept on bracket. You wouldn't think we would have to include this. Thanks, Thomas Ulsrud. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, necessary now, right? Everybody wants to see the pants dance and uh, yeah, but no, not going no, uh, to happen. Uh, next is shorts. Shorts are not <laughs> allowed in WCF competitions. Oh yeah. Your personal uh, category here, Sean. Yeah, I've I've seen people wear shorts at spiels and stuff, but I, yeah, I, I could see why nobody would want to see that on national television. <laughs> uh, belts, if showing, they all must be the same. Oh, okay. But if not showing, then you're fine. It's only if we can see them. Right, right. And they're going with a lot of no-tuck look shirts uh, nowadays. Yes. Yes, because okay. uh, shirts, it does say, can be tucked in or out. There's no tucking okay. requirement. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Uh, next up, skirts. We don't see them much anymore. 
But if you have mm -hmm. a skirt that you're going to play in, must be matching colors, same color of tights, can be a team mixture of skirts and trousers. So if only one player wants to wear a skirt, that's okay. But if multiple people are wearing the skirt, the skirts have to be the same. Right. And does this include kilts? Yes, it does. Okay. Okay, good. So uh, we we know what we need to do for our next uh, family bond spiel. Absolutely, we do. <laughs> um, next is undershirts. It says undershirts can be visible, long sleeves under short sleeves, but outfit must have color coordination. And this is something you see more of with the tight sleeves that people wear or compression mm -hmm. shirts that more and more people wear. So it just has to be color coordinated. Okay. I think that's doable. Yep. Uh, vests. Uh, so vests are uh, okay. They must have color coordination, name, association, etc. And again, one or more can wear. So you don't have to, everyone doesn't have to be in a vest, but it's available to you. Huh. Interesting. Uh, we talked about the jacket requirements already. Um, then next, this is an addition for 2020, uh, masks mm. and under the policy, it just says, fuck 2020. That's all it says. Then <laughs> uh, for hooded, hooded jackets, it says the, this one's weird. It says hood cannot be showing rolled up or tucked inside. <laughs> so doesn't that just mean no hooded jackets? Yeah. Where, where does the hood go? Yeah. If I can't show it roll it up or tuck it inside. Like, that, yeah. that's, that, that seems like one of the ones I would have made up, but that's actually, that's a real one. <laughs> Very strange. I love wearing yeah. these uh, to curl. Yeah. They're comfortable yeah. and warm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then we have hats. One or more can wear more than one. All the same peaks forward logos of either the association or the event applies to the team and persons on the bench. The exception is for wheelchair curling where if more than one are wearing it all must be the same color, but not necessarily the same style. Meaning they can put, uh, they can wear toques. Presumably toques or, or if there's a safety issue, if one person needs a, a helmet or some sort of a protective something, I would assume that would apply to that as well. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no backward hats. It's the oh. anti Ken Griffey Jr. rule. It is. It is. Uh, then we have scarves. One or more can wear, and they all have to be the same. Okay. Then they added muscle shirts, and it says only if you can pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, makes sense. Head, head and wristbands. One or more can wear. More than one, they all have to be the same. All right. Uh, jewelry, no restrictions, personal preference. Okay. So earrings, nose rings, uh, necklaces, bracelets, presumably that all applies to that. Yeah. Fill your boots. Yeah. Uh, no restrictions on gloves. Hmm. Okay. That, that's interesting. I thought they might've had a color, uh, color thing with that. No. Nope. Uh, all right. Total personal preference on gloves. And then braces cannot be visible, worn under a shirt or jacket. Uh, okay. You mean uh, suspenders? Or like a knee brace or uh, like a knee brace to play? Yeah, yeah. I don't think this, like, yeah, if you had braces cannot be visible, 
a lot of middle school kids would be banned from playing. Yeah, yeah. And didn't uh, Anna Sidorova have some braces a couple of years ago? She did, yeah. She yeah. did. So, you know, that seemed pretty unfair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then finally, uh, crests. Yeah. No previous event crests are allowed. Approval of sponsor crest has to be sought or renewed for each event. So if you are the 2018 world champion, you can't put the 2018 world championship crest on your shirt. Right. Because they don't want you to intimidate the other teams. Right. Uh, and then there's a glossary and the glossary is sort of what you expect. There's no surprises. But I did want to point out, Scott, as we call back to an earlier episode we did, that the word thrust does not appear in the <laughs> glossary of the World Curling Federation rules. Oh, well, Sean, that's because they expect everybody to know what the definition of thrust is. They don't need to spell it out in a glossary for uh, dum-dums like you that <laughs> read the rules. I guess. Or maybe it's just not a curling term. Maybe that. Maybe that's possibly a thing. Hey, listen, so, uh, let's, not, let's not open this debate again. <laughs> so, Scott, those are the rules, uh, the obscure rules that I identified. Everything else that is in the rule book is stuff that... I think anyone who's listening to this would have encountered before. Basically, it outlines you know how you score, the order of play, that kind of stuff. So nothing that you don't get if you've played you know three or four games even that that is in the rule book. So is there anything, Scott? There's a couple of things that you said you didn't know about, but anything that really surprised you or, or stands out in um, the rules? You know the the uh, extra care and attention put into the rules, the new rules for 2020. Uh, you really appreciate it. A lot of uh, well thought out uh, plans, ideas uh, for how the game will work this year. Uh, really great. Really great. Uh, I'd say the most surprising to me is the thing about the order, how you play when yeah. one person goes down. That to me was the most surprising and the most interesting and probably the most exploitable. Definitely exploitable for sure. So I can't no wait. To follow it. So I can't wait till we get back on the ice, Sean. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be fun. Absolutely. So, uh, so let us know what you think was the most obscure of the rules, or if there's an obscure rule that I missed, real or fake. Uh, let <laughs> us know uh, any of those. Uh, and if you can't tell which ones were real or fake, you could get in touch with me, and I can confirm which ones are real and which ones are fake. So thank you everybody for listening. If you have not yet, please just subscribe to the show wherever it is. You get your podcast, do the likes, the ratings, comment as well. Helps the algorithms, helps our digital masters uh, approve of us and share us with other people. So please do those things. And if you want to let us know what you want to hear on the show, please do get in touch. Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at Game of Stones Pod. Scott's there at Scott Lakes TV. I am at the Sean Graham. And you can head on over to GameofStonesPod.com. All of our past episodes are there, plus the link to the merch. We're selling the t-shirts online. It's our logo, three different colors. All the proceeds from that are going to Food Banks Canada, and we are matching every shirt that is purchased. So you can head on over there. But as I always like to say, if you don't want a shirt, you just want to give to your local food bank or to Food Banks Canada, we're not going to argue with you on that one. Mm -hmm. So that's it. Scott, you're back in the world of the online. Yeah. Ooh, I was just getting distracted by uh, a 
message thread with our friends at uh, Rocks Across the Pond. So I'm, I'm back in it. Uh, we're done, I guess. Unless you have some magical, beautiful insight that you want to give to the people. Internet good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Words to live by. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you again next week, hopefully on the right day. But until then, get those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.